0: You are listening to the Gospel Teaching Series from Jubilee Church. This series takes a close look at the simplicity and depth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ and its seemingly endless meaning and application for life. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileesTL.org. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's been a few weeks. I hope you didn't forget about me. I didn't forget about you, uh, but we were well-served by Dylan and Greg, Dr. Greg, excuse me, Dr. Greg Nelson, and uh, he, uh, man, for some of you, he, this wasn't the first time you preached, but for some of you, this this is the first time you heard him, and man, I just heard a lot of really amazing feedback, so much good feedback. When I came in this morning, I expected to see like this, all this Greg Nelson paraphernalia up there, like T-shirts and, and bobbleheads and... He'd be a really good bobblehead because his brain is so big. It just kind of like, anyway. Um, when you got three weeks, you can think of, anyway. So we, Rachel and I, I'll just set this up, uh, the, the message today, I want to tell you about a room that Rachel and I have in our house that you may have in your house. Uh, this room that we have, it's in our basement uh, that we would just soon a- avoid because this is where all of our junk goes. Right? This is when you, where, where you, you, you may have this room that when you don't know what to do with something, you put it in that room and you close the door and just ignore it. I mean, we, in this room, we have, we have this treadmill and this stationary bike in there from the 1970s. And it's, I just keep telling Rach, I'm just like, just give it another decade. I, I, we'll use it. Just, we don't need to get rid of it yet. But we just throw every, you know, there's old paint cans in there just, just full of junk. You know, our strategy, just push stuff in there, shut the door and just don't go in there. And and we don't want to go in this room, because if we go in this room, we'd have to address the mess. Uh, if, we, to ignore it, if, we ignore, if we just ignore it, then we can just kind of go on with our lives. But if we open up that door, then it's like, OK, now we've, we're going to spend the next several weekends uh, organizing this thing. And I bring that up because um, Romans 10 is that messy room that we just want to ignore. Um, Romans 10 has in it some stuff that we just assume not even in deal with because it forces us to deal with some pretty messy questions and some complicated questions like the certain future of those we love who have yet to repent. What happens to them? What happens to the untold millions of people who have never even heard the gospel? What happens to them? It forces us to reconcile with our safe comfortable lives, when in reality, knowing that there are people all around us dying, and in the gospel, we have the antidote. Romans 10 screams in our face, you can't afford to keep ignoring that mess. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to open the door. We're not going to ignore the mess. We're going to open the mess that is Romans 10, and we're going to deal with some difficult stuff. And it's so encouraging. you know one of the reasons why we uh, are don't just quote unquote allow but eagerly want people to come and contribute things that God's speaking to them or from their word is so Maria came for us to, to us this morning and talked about, hey we have this cloud of witnesses that there's this big race that we need to run that God invites us into and they're encouraging us. And so I hope that we get encouraged but we're going to have to address this. So in the first week, this is the final message in the the gospel series. The first week I talked about how this is good news, right? This isn't isn't good information on what we can do, but this is great news on what Christ has done. And like any good news, that news needs to be shared. And Romans 10 puts urgency um, on our our willingness to share that. So let me tell you what I'm talking about. Let's start with the good news, right? Let's hear some good news first. So, so uh, Romans 10:13. This is the first verse that was read. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How many people who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved? Everyone. everyone ten out of ten. Hundred out of hundred. Thousand out of thousand. out of million. Everyone. That's chipper. That's good. Everyone. Everyone can call upon the name of the Lord. This is inclusive. This is for everyone. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. A Sunday school teacher who gives her lifetime serving others and a thief of the cross who calls out on his final hour. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, someone who is raised in a Baptist home in Wichita, Kansas, or someone who's raised in a Muslim home in Afghanistan, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is for everyone. This is inclusive. This includes everyone. And yet it's exclusive because it's only by calling upon the name of the Lord. There's not multiple ways. There's one way. Everyone who checks in their child out in the lobby, their child can participate in J-Kids. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone can have their child participate. Everyone, that is, who checks in their child. If you don't check in your child through the system they can't participate it's inclusive and yet exclusive i mean they, they even exclude me like i come in they're like where's your where's your ticket i'm like do you know that like i'm on the website and like you know i've got this face mic on here not for you know the, i was just but they but they but they do that and they should do that they should do that i think i think the reason why they do that is because probably in the training they say even if brian comes and does this don't <laughs> let him do it so i think this is like this is like their special challenge but anyway so that's what Romans 10 saying, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, it's for everyone, but there's a there's a way of coming in, which begs the question, what is required for them to call upon the name of the Lord? Well, Romans 10 says, well, they need to believe. Well, what's required for them to believe? Well, for them to believe, they need to hear. And for them to hear, someone needs to preach. And for someone to preach, somebody has to be sent. Paul, what's your point? Here's Paul's point. The Joshua Project, uh, which tracks, he's saying, says that there are 2.9 1 billion people in our world with little or no access to the gospel. But as Stalin said, um, by the way, if you're new here, I don't make it a practice to quote dictators, but this is, um, Stalin said this, Stalin said that one person dying is a tragedy. A million people dying is a statistic. And so you and I are moved by statistics. You're not, we're moved by 2.9 billion people not hearing the gospel. So I'm gonna do something kind of awkward. We're gonna have a 30 second moment of silence. You ready? D- don't look at me because it'll make it even more awkward. Just 30 second moment, look down or something. 30 seconds, here we go. Okay, that's 30 seconds. Okay, in that 30 seconds, 53 people on our planet died. In that 30 seconds, of those 53 people, 21 people died, never hearing the gospel. 21 people have just not faced the mercy of God, but have faced the wrath of God. 21 people in that 30 seconds. Now, I know what you're thinking because it's what I'm thinking when I hear things like, that's not fair. How is that fair? How is it fair that people who have never heard the gospel, how is that fair? Um, it is fair. Here's what's not fair. What's not fair is Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sin and my sin. Here's what's not, you and I are not fair. What we have received is not fair. We have been, despite our guilt, have been set free. And here's what's important for this today to make sense for us. One of the things that we need to come into grips with, which is why we're exploring the gospel, is that when you and I get caught up into what, this is something that is entitled to us, that we deserve what Jesus did for us. Because behind the thought that that's not fair is the thought that I deserve to be saved. And people in this world deserve to be saved. The truth is, is we don't. You see, there's no one on the planet Earth saying, God, come and save me, come and save me, come and save me. We're not running to God, we are running from God. And God, in his mercy, runs after us and says, that's enough. You're not taking another step. You and I are not fair. The gospel is for everyone. So here's, here's where, this is where Romans 10 gets messy. So stay with me. Don't lose me. Don't leave yet. The gospel is for everyone, but it's only for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. And for people to call upon the name of the Lord, they must believe. And for them to believe, they must hear. And for them to hear, someone has to preach, which means someone has to be sent, which means one of us, some of us, have to pack our bags. That is a messy room that we would just assume shut the door and ignore. And that's what we're going to take a look at today. Al Gore put together, put together a documentary about climate change a few years back. He titled it An Inconvenient Truth. And, he, and his preposition is, if this is all true, is that it has massive, expensive implications for our life that we would rather not be true. That's why this is an inconvenient truth. Romans 10 is the mother of all inconvenient truths because it will cost you Everything. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your preferences. It will cost you your money. It will cost you your ambition. And it may even cost you your life. Because Romans 10 makes you and I wrestle with a question. How will they believe if they never hear? And how will they hear if no one preaches? And how will someone preach if they are never Sent. If we believe that Jesus is the only way, and we do believe, as the Bible says, that Jesus is the only way, that's not some theological grenade that we throw at other mainline denominations or liberal ideologies. It's a rallying cry for a worldwide, radical, urgent mission that is very inconvenient. It pokes and it prods, and most of us, including me, would just soon shut the door and ignore the mess. Now, part of the reason why this, we have this apathy is actually our own beliefs. If you're new to Jubilee Church, one of the things that we really believe in is we believe in the grace of God, not just as a theological concept, but as an atmosphere of how we want community to be. We believe that we are saved by grace, that we had nothing to do with our salvation, that we weren't running toward God, but we are running away from God, and he saved us out of his mercy and kindness. And we believe that we progress in this relationship by his grace. We believe there's nothing that we can do to make him love us more. There's nothing we can do to make him love us less. But we're not just grace people. We are on the sovereignty of God train, that we believe that God is sovereign, that he is in control, that he, um, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And tomorrow is not just something he knows about. Tomorrow is something that where he is. And he's just, I mean, I know it gets into these really challenging concepts, but that's why he is God and we're not. He's other. So we believe in his sovereignty which is why Romans 10 is such an important chapter for us. And let me tell you why. To really feel the weight of Romans 10 and to understand why this can be a challenge is we have to understand the context of Romans 10, which is Romans 9. And so I'm gonna teach you a little bit. Romans 10 puts a lot of emphasis on human responsibility. See, Romans 10 and Romans 9 almost feel like enemies because Romans 10 puts a lot of emphasis on human responsibility. Romans 9, however, puts a lot of emphasis on divine responsibility sovereignty. And because of that emphasis on divine sovereignty, Romans 9 is probably one of the most difficult chapters in all of the Bible. Now, some of you are like, man, I'm reading through the Old Testament right now, and there's some pretty difficult chapters. Well, just wait till you get to Romans 9. (laughs) Because Romans 9, without any apology or answering any of our questions, asserts the sovereignty of God over everything, especially our salvation. And it feels a little misplaced because it's a sharp turn from Romans 8. Now, even if you don't know what Romans 8 says, you do know what Romans 8 says because you've seen it before. You've seen it on someone's refrigerator. You've seen it on a coffee cup. You've seen it on a t shirt. You've seen it on a, on a bumper sticker. It is, it is, it is, it is co- Romans 8 is coffee cup central. This is, this is the place because it is, it is just, uh, it is just a treasure chest of the goodness of God. It's just lash after lash of the goodness of God. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Romans 8:1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeehaw. <laughs> Romans 8:28. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. Come on, the arrow's up. It's always gonna be up. Turn that frown upside down. God is good. Romans 8:38 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Answer no one. Whew. Now, if Romans 8 is lash after lash of the goodness of God, Romans 9 is lash after lash of the godness of God. Romans 9:21 says, puts it this way, he says, the same way that the potter is sovereign over the clay and can do whatever he wants so is God sovereign over our lives. So the, the clay does not look back at the potter and say, what are you making here? This is not what I want for my life. The, pot, the, the clay doesn't say that to the potter. And we don't say that to God. God just does what he does. And then he doesn't even tell us why. He, it's just the way it is. Or check this one out. This, this one's kind of interesting. Romans 9, 13. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated tough being esau in sunday school <laughs> jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so then and, and it feels it feels you're like that isn't fair check this out romans 9:14 what shall we say then is there any injustice on god's part can he say that or not can he say that if he wants to is there any injustice for him by no means for he says to moses i will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And when we ask, why do you do it that way? Romans 9 says, just cause. Now, so you have his grace, his holiness, his justice, and choosing some and passing over others. So you have the goodness of God followed by the godness of God. Now, if you were just to read Romans 1 through 9, if that's all you were to read and skip over Romans 10, you'd be tempted to say, okay, God, this is great. You know, God is sovereign. He just does what he wants to do, and there's nothing I can do about it. Now, on a good day, on a good day, that's gonna cause you to worship him because it's grace. There's nothing I can do to make him love me more. There's nothing I can do to make him love me less. I love his grace, and it causes me to worship and worship and worship and worship, and that's on a good day. On a bad day, you might say I'm off the hook. I don't need to share the gospel. In fact, if I share the gospel, I might even tar- tarnish the godness of God. God's in control. God does what he wants. Let go, let God. Let, let God do what he wants to do. He's gonna take care of it. He's gonna make it happen. He's gonna work out all things for good. he he's all this stuff. If we never read Romans 10, you might be tempted to say that. There's a very famous moment in the life of William Carey that I think relates to this thought It was a time he first publicly bore his heart for India. William Carey is known as as one of the key figures of of seeing the gospel just take off in India. And at the age of 22, he he shares his heart to a bunch of good church folk, just like you guys. And this older man in the crowd shouted, young man, sit down. When God is pleased to convert the heathen, he will do it without your help or mine. Now, where did he get that from? Here's where he got it from. He read Romans one through nine and stopped. And he shut the door to Romans 10. He goes, I'm not going to mess with that. But you and I aren't going to do that. You and I aren't going to shut the door on Romans 10. We're not going to leave the mess. We're going to open that door. We're going to go in there. Many people want to put the Q-tip on the sword of Romans 10. Romans 10 is meant to pierce our hearts. It's, it's to make us make us feel where we were once. We were once dead in our sins. We were not at the top of the ocean shouting out for help. We are at the bottom of the ocean and dead. But God in his mercy raised us up. And those of us who have been rescued, we need our hearts to be pierced so that we wrestle, that we wrestle with how are they going to believe if they never hear? And how are they going to hear if we never preach? And how are we going to preach if we're never sent, if we never pack our bags and go across the ocean or go across the street or go across the cubicle or go across our classroom? Yes, God is in control. Yes, God is sovereign, but may his sovereignty never be a reason for our apathy, especially when it comes to preaching the gospel. If our, if our view of God's sovereignty and his grace does not create urgency, if it doesn't create activity, it is a theological miscarriage. We're getting it wrong, and it's to, un- it's to misunderstand the heart of God. And why Paul does not want us to be aware of the grace of God and the gospel of God and the sovereignty of God, which is why he wrote you know, uh, Romans 1 through 9. He wants us to be aware of God's sovereignty, but he also wants to be aware of our responsibility and he wrote Romans 10. Actually, the more that we trust and lean into the gospel, the more that we trust his sovereignty, the more zealous we'll be about sharing the gospel. It will be, his sovereignty will, be a, will ignite activity, not put a damper on activity. Let me show you what I'm talking about. When Paul was in Corinth, there was, um, he went preaching the gospel in Corinth, and you can read about this in Acts 18. I'll show you a verse, an example here in a second. Um, but he was faced with crazy opposition, And wanted to get it. He found it really difficult to share the gospel. Anybody here ever find it difficult to share the gospel? Anybody? Paul's Paul's that same way. He wanted to quit. This is probably the only time, this is one of the uh, few times where you see Paul really discouraged. And God himself had to come to him and he had to encourage him. And so there's this moment where he's ready to give up and God comes and says this to him. He says, for I have many people in the city who are my people. Now, mind you, there was not one Christian yet in Corinth. Yet God could say, for I have many people in the city who are my people. How can God say that if there are no Christians yet? Because he's sovereign and he knows. Here's what he's saying to Paul. He's saying, I've stocked the pond. You don't have to worry if this pond is empty and there are no fish. I know you're not catching anything, but trust me. I've stocked the pond. There are fish in here. There are many people in this city who are my people. And he says the same thing to you and I. He says the same thing about, there are many people on your street. There are many people in your neighborhood that are my people. I've stalked the pond. You're guaranteed success. You don't have to worry about striking out. You will not strike out. You have guaranteed success. You don't have to worry about in your school. You don't have to worry about sharing the gospel. There are many people on your campus who are my people. They just have not yet heard yet. They need to hear to believe. They need to believe to call upon the name of the Lord. And they will call upon the name of the Lord as we go and preach because God is sovereign. God is in control. And he has predetermined people all over this city that he's calling to himself. And our job is just to go out and indiscriminately share the gospel, knowing that there are many people in this city who are my people. See, some of you are in school and the only reason why you're in this school is because this is the only one that would accept you in your program. You're like, well, this is where I have to go it's not true. The reason why you're in that program, the reason why you're in that school is because God is sovereign. and He put you there. And there are people in that school that he, that are his, who are his people, even though they have not yet called upon the name of the Lord. Well, the reason why I rent this apartment is this because it's the only place I can afford. No, that's not true either. The reason why you're on that street, the reason why you're in that neighborhood, because God is sovereign and he put you there and he put them there. And there are many people on that street Who are his people? They just haven't called upon the name of the Lord yet. Well, how will they call if they never hear? How will they hear if no one goes and preaches? Enter Jubilee Church member. We should be running. Here's what boggles my mind. So there's this God is inclusive, He's like everyone can be a part of this. I want every tribe, every tongue, everyone's included short, tall, rich, poor, black, white, everybody's included. It's inclusive who can be a part. It's exclusive in how you come. It's actually inclusive in how it goes. This is a thing that just blows my mind. I don't even know why God does this. I have a small guess that I'll say later, but he is so committed to this message going through you and I. I mean I just I want you you cannot you read through the book of Acts there's not one instance of everyone anyone calling upon the name of the Lord believing in the gospel without a human per agent sharing that gospel preaching that gospel you you, you it's just not there the closest that I came to was Acts 10 with Cornelius and Peter but even as I read that story I began to be just amazed just how committed is. If you know the story, this is a story where you know Cornelius has a dream, and, that's how the, and Peter has a dream, and this is how the, the, the gospel was shared. In fact, it's a little bit more awkward than that because Cornelius has a dream about Peter, and Peter has a dream about Cornelius, which made for a really awkward introduction. It's kind of like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I had a dream about you last night, and uh, oh, that's funny. I had a dream about you. And so they kind of stared at each other's eyes, and anyway... <laughs> So Peter preaches the gospel to him, to to Cornelius, and this is is how it ends. This is in Acts 10, 43. To Jesus, all the prophets give witness. This is going to sound really familiar, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. Now, here's what you need to know about Cornelius as a a side note, as a very important side note. Cornelius was known, he had a reputation of being a very good man. I don't know what he did. He could have been very charitable he could have been very moral and upright he could have saved a cat out of a tree he could have i mean i don't know what he did but he was just known as a good man what peter doesn't do he doesn't come and say hey i just want i've just come because i've had this dream that god has revealed to me that you are a very good person and you are saved it's not what he says to him he says to him if you believe you, you can receive this. If you he, he didn't come to him and say, hey, you've already been saved. He says that if you, if you call upon, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is even made more clear. And actually the fact that God is, once a human agent becomes clear when you look at Acts 11. This is, this is Peter reflecting on this, these events of Acts 10. He said, Cornelius told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house He said to him, send for Peter who will tell you the words by which you and all your house will be saved. So there it is again, will be saved. Not is saved, will be, future tense. If this happens, then you will be saved. Now, now here's what I find interesting. This is why I shared this. The other stuff was just filler. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So an angel comes to him and says hey, Peter's going to tell you the gospel. Now, if I was Cornelius and an angel came to me and said, hey, Peter's going to share you the gospel, if I was Cornelius, I would say, "Um, can't you just share me the gospel? (laughs) Why do you need to come to tell me that Peter's going to share the gospel? Why don't you just share the gospel? I mean, it's like that moment when, you know, like, you're, like you're, you're waiting a really long time. You're at a restaurant. You're waiting a really long time. Your waiter is busy or ignoring you or whatever. It's 10 minutes go by, 15 minutes by, you know, a busboy or manager comes by and just says, hey, I just want you to know your waiter will be with you in a moment to take your order. And you're like, well, can't you take my order? I mean, don't you, can't you like take a, I'll even write it down for you and give it to you. Like you could just, you know. They are so committed to the waiter being the one to tell your story. God is so, he won't even let an angel share the gospel. He wants you to do it, and he wants you to do it. He wants you to do it. He's not going to send an angel. He's going to wait for you. And this is what blows my mind, that God is so ridiculously committed to you and I being the ones who share the gospel, that there are 2.91 billion people who have never heard You and I get anxious waiting 15 minutes for our waiter. God is so committed to you and I being the human agent. There are 2.91 billion people who are waiting for us and will die waiting for us. And Paul wants you to feel the edge of that sword. He wants you to feel it. How will they call if they don't believe? How will they believe if they never hear? How will they hear if no one preaches? And how will someone preach if they never go? There are, in this week alone, in St. Louis, statistically, 450 people will die about 70% of them, 315 people, this week in the St. Louis area will die, never have calling upon the name of the Lord. We have three options in front of us. One is we could just deny this reality. We can. This is what a lot of Christians will do. Well, maybe there's another way. Maybe somehow it'll happen some other way. Maybe that's, and so that's what, that, that, the path to uh, liberal theology is wide and getting wider. We just kind of bend it around to fit what's comfortable. We just keep the door shut by just bending what the Bible says. Or here's another thing we do. We just ignore it. We, 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 we know that it's true. We'll amen a message like this, and then we'll go live our lives like it's not true. We we'll just keep the door shut. That's what I want to do. That's what I do often, actually. But here's the third option. We could just give our lives to it. We we could pretend and and wonder, you know, like God may know what he's up to. He may know better than me. He may know better what's better for me than I know what's for me. We can give our lives fully to it. So we can say, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm ruined for anything else. I've been rescued. I'm very aware that I've been rescued. I'm, I'm very aware that I've done nothing to my salvation, the only thing I've added to my salvation is the, the penalty that made you have to come and die for me. That's the only thing I've added. You came and rescued me. Now I want to go and rescue others. And he wants to invite you in. And I've thought about like, here's my only reason why I think God does it this way because it doesn't seem to be very effective. It doesn't seem very effective to have a busboy or manager say your waiter take your order. They should be able to take. This should be happen faster. People should not have to die not hearing the gospel. But here is what it, he is so radically committed to you in your joy, in your relationship with him. Because it's only until you allow Romans 10 to really pierce you, when you allow it to pierce you, here's what goes through your head. I, this is too big of a burden. 2.91 billion people, 450, 315 in this city this week. Your neighbors, your coworkers, it feels heavy. It feels, I can't do it. I can't say the right words. I don't know how this is gonna ever happen. And massive vulnerability, discouragement, and you are brought to the end of your rope. you, you, you You see your ineptitude in high D. And that's the point, I think, the point is is that god gives us an impossibility so that we will not depend upon our own sufficiency but we'll depend upon him because if we just shut the door in romans 10 and just ignore that room we can go on and live nice christian lives we can we can work the jobs we want to work we can have the schedules we want to have we can raise the kids our kids the way we want to raise our kids we can come in here you know Two or three times a month, get affirmed in what we already believe, have a nice little bit of relationship, do a few nice good things, and that be it. But as Maria encourages this morning, man, we have a cloud of witnesses saying, man, it's, it's our turn. It's our turn. There are people out there. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved that they will only call if they believe and they only believe if they hear and they only hear if we preach and we'll only preach if we go, whether that's across the ocean or across the street. And we need God's help. That's why when he came to his disciples, when he's leaving the earth, he said to him, he said, look, here's all you have to do. I'm leaving, but here's all you have to do. All you have to do, all you have to do is be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's all you have to do. 2.91 2.91 billion. He says, here's the point. You're never gonna be able to do it. That's why you need to wait for the power, of my, the power of my spirit to be on you. And the Holy Spirit will do it through you. Now, here's what I need you to hear. The Holy Spirit works through us. The Holy Spirit does not work instead of us. When it comes to the gospel being preached and proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works through us, not instead of us. God is so committed to his plan. He's there to help us. He says, I promise to be with you to the end of the age. When you go across the street, I will be with you. But when you go across the street, it's not God's mouth that needs to open. It's your mouth and my mouth. He works through us. I want to end with this because I realize, I realize a message like this just totes the line of grace and guilt, It can be grace to us, and it can feel like just a bunch of guilt. So I want to leave you with this thought. A thought that helped me, and I hope helps you. Um, If you read through Romans 1 through 9, one of the things you'll notice about the, the literary style is Paul's very propositional meaning. like He just says, here's truth, here's truth, here's truth. You know, this is what sin is, this is who God is, this is who you are. He just says it like it is. But in Romans 10, he switches from just telling us things to asking us questions. He isn't, and it's almost like he's interrogating us. He's like, you know, how's this going to happen? What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And, um, and, I, and, it, and I be, I've been asked the question, okay, why is he doing that? And I think the reason why he's doing it, well, what it helped me, what it helps is an experience um. That as a parent you regularly have, um, as a parent when our, especially when our kids were younger, uh, to get them to go to bed is, as Jim Gaffigan says, it's a hostage. It's like a hostage negotiation. It's like you know, like you can't, like you just everything you say they got an answer for. I mean, it's just like it's too. I'm, I'm not tired. I'm too tired. It's too light, it's too dark, I'm hungry, I wanna watch TV. I mean, these has got a thousand reasons. They're not emotionally connected to the reasons. They don't care what reason it is, they just wanna give you something. They just wanna delay it. They're just looking to delay. And there becomes a moment where you have to stop, like, giving them answers, and you gotta just start asking them questions. And I remember this one time just saying to one of my kids, Something along these lines, if you don't go to bed, how are you going to get sleep? And if you don't get sleep, how are you going to have energy tomorrow? And if you don't have energy tomorrow, how are you going to play? And if you don't play tomorrow, how are you ever going to have any fun in life? (laughs) I don't want to go to sleep, but I want to have fun more, so I will go to sleep. (laughs) And that's essentially what Paul's doing with us. He's presenting something to us that no human being could ever, Romans 10 is, sugge- is inviting us into a life that no human could ever tell you to do. It's something that the Holy Spirit of God has to quicken your heart to want to do. And what Paul does, Paul does it like us. He, he, he says to us, go to bed. Well, I don't want to, I don't want, you know, I'm this and I'm this and that. He says, okay, let me just put it to you this way. I get that that mission is going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you your time, your money, your ambition. It's going to cost you everything. But, But here's the deal here's a question that you and I have to wrestle with How will they call if they don't believe? And how will they believe if they don't hear? And how will they hear if we don't preach? And how will we preach? if we don't adjust our lives to be sent, whether that's in a different country, or it's the street that you live on, or at your workplace. And then he says this, just to encourage us, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. The feet of Jesus were nailed for our sin our feet can be sent for the rescuing of others to tell them about the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus why don't we stand I want to pray for us